Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Siege, did you have yourself a good weekend? I did. Not as good as yours, though. What do you got going on there, my man? Well, do you, do you see what's on the uh, the hat here? You see what it reads? It says, uh, well, happy pe- birthday, Julian. There it is. For people who uh, are not uh, on the videos, today is actually my birthday. So uh, I know CJ likes to do the sunglass thing whenever he likes to feel good about himself. So why not wear sunglasses and an actual birthday hat with the tag on the hat still on it? So there I'm going to do the entire episode looking like this. Congrats, bud. Another spin around the sun. Do you know what? Uh, yes. You share a birthday with Pierre Lebrun. It's his birthday, too? It is his birthday, too. Oh, come on. I thought Trevor Linden was the most popping guy in the hockey community to have this birthday today. Pierre Lebrun's birthday is today? I definitely have to send him a text of some sort to wish him happy birthday. I had no idea I shared a birthday with uh, a mentor of yours. Yes, sir. So a lot of, a lot of hockey royalty born on this day. I'm pretty good today. Um, yeah, awesome. It's good to celebrate birthdays. I am all of 40 years old, just like no, I'm kidding. I'm about 40. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm 20. In fact, actually, I'm in the middle of an SDPN birthday sandwich because Jesse's birthday is on the 9th. My birthday's today, and Adam Wilde's birthday is the 13th. How did you know, Adams? I, I'm not good with people's birthdays. I'm glad you got this locked down. I think they mentioned it either in the group chat or on one of their latest podcast episodes. I'm not great with birthdays either. But when people mention that their birthdays are around mine, then like my birthday powers kind of get a little enhanced and I'm able to remember these things a little bit more. But otherwise, if I don't see your birthday on Facebook, I there's a good chance I might not remember unless you are my immediate member of my family. Well, I also rarely know what day it is anyway, like in terms of like, so that, that that's, that's a huge boundary to knowing if it's someone's birthday. If I don't even really know what day of the month it is most of the time as it is. That's true. But also we've been feeling this for the last like two years for not really knowing what day it is. All the days kind of blending in. It's, it's a symptom of the times that we are in. And hopefully we get out of those soon enough. But anyway, what thank you for it? the birthday wishes. What, what birthdays? Yeah. The actual, my actual age, if yeah. you care to know. 28 years old. I'm 28 years old. Congrats, bud. And do you have any like resolutions? Like how do you handle your birthdays? Do you need any, any sort of tone you want to set for the coming year? You know, what's funny, actually, I've been thinking about that, man. Um, Like being 27, I look back on it as one of the best years of my life. I had a lot of great opportunities come to me. And I felt like that entire time being 27, was truly a validation of all the hard work I've been putting in into the career that I am having right now and the career that I want to have. And being 28, uh, also 27 was also a lot about loving myself too. 28 is a lot about lessening the ego a little bit, which I know is ironic because of the way that I look right now, but also (laughs) at the same time, uh, just taking stock in the fact that nothing is forever and I have to make the most of what I have right now and also just, you know, treasure the personal relationships that I have, but also just continuing to work hard. I think those are some of the things I'm thinking of doing in my 28th year of life. 
I love it. I love it. Go get it, brother. I will absolutely try my best. Anyway, you guys came here for a podcast and not for me to self-indulge for myself as I enjoy my 28th year of life. I'm going to start with an icebreaker that I've actually been asking a lot of my friends uh, throughout the weekend. And uh, it's another doors and windows thing. It's not a doors and windows thing. It's it's a hockey thing, but it's more like hockey trivia. And I'm just genuinely curious because it will eventually get into uh, the big topic that I want to talk about, which is uh, Austin Matthews did something over the weekend and we'll get to that. But the question I have for you to start. <clears throat> Do you know, CJ, who the last 50 goal score to win the Stanley Cup in the same season is? The last player in NHL history to score 50 goals or more in an NHL season and win the Stanley Cup in the same year. It has happened this century. Uh, they are not playing anymore. It's funny because I would have guessed Ovechkin, but then I think that's too obvious. You, you wouldn't be asking the question if that was the answer. Just it's also incorrect. Even, right, but he scores 50 every year and they won the Cup a few years ago. Um this guy's actually done it the last two times it's happened. He is responsible for those last two times. And those are the only two times in his career he has scored 50 goals in a season. Oh, wow. So I should tell you he's won at least two Stanley Cups. Right. This should be obvious then. And technically, well, not technically, he is trying to get a third this year. But it wouldn't count as a player, obviously. <laughs> oh, man. I'm stumped. You are- Okay, the answer uh, is Joe Sackick. He did this during the 2000-2001 season, and he also did it in 95-96. Both years, the Colorado Avalanche win, won the Stanley Cup. Wow. Do you know what's funny is two things jumped to mind. He also had one massive playoffs. One of those playoff years, he had like 18 goals, maybe not quite that many, but he had a monster playoffs goal-wise. And the other is that I think you're trying to lead to Austin Matthews. And a lot of people when Austin Matthews got drafted, we were comparing Joe Sackick to him just in terms of the release on a shot. So well, I, was, I wasn't exactly thinking of that particular comparison, but I am glad that you brought that up because, yes, I did want it to get to Austin Matthews because uh, I think from the NHL's PR account, they were saying that Austin Matthews is trying to become the first player since uh, Joe Sackick to score more than 50 goals in an NHL season and win the Stanley Cup. But that being said, there are also a other handful of guys who could reach the 50-goal plateau this year. And then Chris Kreider, Alexander Ovechkin is still a couple goals away. Connor McDavid, uh, I was mentioning this to Justin Cuthbert the other day, a couple goals off from 50, which he's never done before. And he's quietly it's funny to say quietly considering how he started off the year but since the attention's kind of been thrown to austin matthews he's on the verge of having a career year he's got enough games where he could do it and bypass his career total and goal he's already bypassed his career total and goals but he could do it in points as well like i'm i've always wondered like why maybe not always wondered but this weekend i wonder why is it that it has not been more of a thing where 50 goal scorers win the stanley cup in the same season. I don't know if Austin's going to be able to do that this year, but it is interesting that that happens. Well, the first thing that jumps to mind is we haven't really had that many 50 goal scorers. Like it's become for the last 10 or 15 years, that's become a really tough threshold to hit. Uh, Ovechkin's done it a whole bunch. As we mentioned, you know, Stamkos had a 60 goal season and a 50 goal season. Remember Corey Perry got to 50 uh, about 10 years ago or so. But, you know, and then Dreisaitl has, has been getting there more recently. And, mm-hmm. But, like, it's it, we don't have a lot of guys getting there. So I think that that's, that's part of it. Um, you know, I'm not sure that we can say that having a 50-goal score is bad for your playoff chances. Um, you know, especially watching Austin Matthews score a goal a game, uh, you could see where that would be advantageous at any time of year, but especially the playoffs, if that can continue in some form. Um, but, yeah, it's it's this season has been awesome in so many ways. Like, I've – I've really come to appreciate the, the higher scoring. You know, we got a bunch of guys now with you know a couple of weeks left in the year that have a chance at 100 points. You know, that's become a really difficult mark. But you know, Roman Yossi has a chance. Kirill Kaprizov has a chance. Um, in addition, you know, Huberto's already there, and McDavid's already there. Matthews is at 99, basically there. Um, so you know, we're going to end up with a bunch of guys there. I mean, that's I think this is good for hockey, and and you're going to see more 50 goal scores win the Stanley Cup if more people score 50 goals. What's funny is that, so Austin Matthews, 
breaks the single season record for goals a couple of nights ago. Uh, Roman Yossi breaks the record for sing for most points in a single season by a Nashville Predators player, which I don't, I, I'm pretty sure you might not remember who held that record previously. It's a oh, guy yeah. who that's who it is. You know, what's yeah. funny. That's another question I was asking people too. Uh, and people were stumped on that. And I believe Kuro Kaprizov broke a single season, season record for goals uh, by a Minnesota wild player. Like we are seeing all these milestones for teams just fall down in the last how many days by some of the more talented players this league has ever seen. That's also happening as a result of this goal explosion uh, that has come place. That's taken place in the national hockey this year. It's really fun to see. Yeah. I think, you know, tracking milestones is, is good business. You know, it's good, good for fans. It's exciting. You know, I think it gives us something to talk about in a sense, you know, it's a long season. Uh, at least we're here getting towards the end. There's playoff races and other things to focus on. But, you know, some of these individual achievements are are exciting to to see. And I remember way back when, like the, the baseball home run chase, you know, it, it mm-hmm. helped change baseball. And I, and I know that there's a lot of things associated with that with the steroid era and everything that's happened since. But, you know, that Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa summer in 1998, like completely changed the way people were looking at that sport at the time because, you know, baseball was in a bit of doldrums after, you know, losing the World Series in 94. And that that helped energize it uh, again. And so I, I think similarly, if I, the one thing I don't know, Julian, I don't know if this is just a one year blip. Like, is this is this related to some weird COVID season? Is this related to something or is, or is this a sign of a, a new trend? I, I think it's probably we'd be guessing either way, I, but I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other. But if this becomes a new normal and you have players, you know, chasing some of these historical milestones every year i think i think that's going to be better for the league overall two thoughts on this one uh i think i put out something along those lines of you know hey why is it that there are so many goals being scored this year and i my initial thinking was okay because of the way teams are deploying defensemen uh we're getting guys like kale mccarr and roman yossi producing that has to add to the scoring production but a lot of people are making the point that the goaltending just isn't as good as it was before and some guys are playing full seasons which hasn't been remember hasn't been done in a couple years as well which i mean give or take how you feel about that i guess but maybe there are some factors there are definitely some factors that are leading to this and the other thing i want to think of as well with this is because there are so many goals that have been scored in the regular season my biggest fear for the playoffs is that every coach is going to immediately shut their team down and just go super defensive because they've seen these seven, four scores during the year. And they're like, well, we do not want any of that. And we're just going to see like New Jersey style hockey throughout the postseason. But it's fair. But I mean, if, if part of the reason is goaltending for whatever reason is, is getting worse, or maybe the shooters are getting better, depending how you want to view that, then I don't know that the coaches can do too much about that. You know, a couple of things that have occurred to me. What's interesting is that it's not really related to power plays. Like the number of power plays league wide are not up this year. Uh, now teams are having more success on the power play, but it's not because all of a sudden there's like seven power plays each team a game, which is kind of what happened. If you look at 0506 coming out of that lockout years, scoring went up a lot, but, it, but a lot of it was tied to the fact that more penalties were called. Um, you know, I think that there has to be more empty net goals nowadays. And there were 20 years ago, for sure. And that's mm-hmm. probably contributed. And I wonder, does adding a 30-second team, like, I mean, it's only one more, but does it dilute the player pool a little bit? Does it does it make that there's more sort of weaker lines, you know, maybe a weaker fourth line on each team or something like that? Like, I, I'm just trying to think out loud about what, what has changed about this year that could, you know, contribute to this. The, the truth is it's probably a number of factors. I don't think it's any one thing. Um, because a lot of the skilled players are having monster years, like, Austin Matthews and, and, you know, Conor McDavid had monster years last year too. Um, and it was a shorter season, so maybe it's a little different, but anyway, it's, it's, it's good to watch. And as I say, I really hope it's, it's here to stay because I like these games where there's all these comebacks too. Like that's, that's the other thing. If you're at a game and your team's down too early on, like the game isn't over, like it, it used to be at a certain point in time. Um, you know, I saw Minnesota's come back a bunch. Obviously Florida has been the, the big team this year that have erased multiple three goal deficits in one games. I mean, like that, that's fun. And while the playoffs will be tighter, I'm sure I'm, sh- you know, every year, whatever the regular sc- season scoring rate is, it goes down in the playoffs. I mean, the, the, the stakes are simply too high to have it be wide open, but you know, I, I I'd like to hope that, that we'll see a few crazy comebacks in the playoffs too, that it doesn't automatically just, just get locked down. 
Yeah, I want to see a. It probably won't happen, but a seven-five playoff game this year would be absolutely bananas. There was a game like a couple of years ago, was like the Flyers and the Penguins were scoring a bunch in that wild series, which I think is criminally underrated with how everyone was basically beating up each other. But uh, it could happen, but probably won't happen. There was a pretty wild game, Florida Tampa last year. Yes, I don't, I don't remember the score. One of the early games in that series, though, was like six-five kind of game. Um, you know, I think if if any version if if Florida plays Tampa or Florida plays Toronto or Toronto plays Tampa, I think that series that that series has the potential for those kind of games. I just think the teams are so high octane, and you know they're they're lethal on the power play. I, I just you know obviously the coaches will do what they can to minimize it, but I, I do think that that any any combination in the Atlantic Division, I, I think you could get some crazy scores in in that sort of series, especially if the goaltending, which I think for the Leafs is not necessarily as secure as it could be. Even in Florida, they have a really good team. Sergey Bobrovsky has to go in there. There are questions about him. Boston, Jeremy Swayman and and and, and Linus Allmark kind of are the what's the situation going to be with those two guys and 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 for for their situation. Like I, yeah, that's right. The goal aside from Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin, if you're thinking of at least the Eastern Conference here, like how many really good goalies are in that conference where you're thinking, you know what, you don't have to worry about that department for that conference there's a few other teams i'm sure i mean freddie anderson's obviously been great in carolina but there are some teams where because the goaltending isn't as strong as some of those as those three teams i mentioned i guess it could open the door for a few more goals being scored but of course the defense might minimize uh some of those mistakes but anyway uh, i want to bring well, up austin matthews oh uh, there's a question about that. freddie anderson too though right i mean he's had an awesome season from from start to finish he's been great in carolina yeah, nine twenty six save percentage, I believe, if I saw correctly yesterday. But but you know, anyway, way above average. But you know, he's he's been part of all those Leafs playoff losses in the last five years. So um, you know, I think that he's got some doubters to silence or some questions to answer, whatever you want to call it. And so, yeah, as great as he's been, are you going to say it's going to get to the playoffs and it's it's going to be locked down? You know, we'll see. I just had a wild idea, like. Imagine like Toronto goes to like Boston for a playoff round. They end up in Carolina at some point to face Freddie. Like you need, I want like, it, it's probably not going to happen, but how funny would it be to see a Leafs playoffs run? And it's against so many of these like demons and old haunts essentially, right? Like it could be an old, old haunt tour, depending on how it lines up. I mean, Carolina now, the way it's looking, it would have to be a conference final. Uh, because yes. the, Leafs, the Leafs have won a lot of games lately, so the, the chance of them falling to fourth and into the wild card and playing in the first round with the Hurricanes have gone down a lot. But, um, I mean, look, it could happen. I think Carolina's a good team. The, the Metro, I'm not sure what to make of the Metro, honestly. Like, I don't know how the first two rounds will go over there. Um, it's not that I don't like those teams. I just don't feel strongly that one is so clearly better than the other. Um, you know, I think it's going to be wild playoffs. I think we're, we've been on this train for a little while, Julian, but like my, my view has not changed as we've got closer to the end of the year. I still feel like this is going to be a bit of a crapshoot first couple rounds, you know, God bless those out there that are trying to make their living betting on sports, but I, I would not want to be betting on these playoff rounds with real money. Are you able to do, you're able to bet on the playoffs for North star bets. I, I would be like, there's nothing legally that that would prevent it, but you know, I, I don't I know just enough to know that I don't know enough. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to that, I mean, the people that do it well are professionals. I mean, they really study trends and, and you know, I, I look at the stuff like Dom Decision puts out the athletic. Like it's clear that, that a lot of work goes into it for people that are good at it. And so I, I'm putting my efforts elsewhere generally. Okay. I, I, I meant more like generally, like if people are using North star bets, uh, I just have to shout them out obviously, because that is the, uh, that is your uh, home set. Uh, well, obviously through them, you're able to write your stuff with Toronto star and all that, but so we got to shout out North star bets whenever we can on this. Podcast. Yeah. And we'll be fully launched by the time the playoffs start. So Ooh, okay. can't say more than that though. All right. All right, let me get to Austin Matthews, finally. I know I kind of downplayed it as a joke a little earlier on, but, like, dude is having himself an amazing season, the greatest Leaf season uh, by a single player we have ever seen. He has 51 in 50. He got the two goals against the Montreal Canadiens, uh, and now he is very close to touching 60. I said he'd hit 60. At this point, the benchmark for him to hit is 65. Like, it is absolutely unreal what Austin's been able to do, CJ. Right. It's unfair to even say this because he's 
first of all, he's just got 51 and 50. So like, obviously he's, this has been, this isn't just a hot stretch. This is, there's something happening here, but he's got 11 games left, right? He's sitting at 58 goals. Like for me, the benchmark actually for this season is 66, which, you know, requires him to score eight and 11, you know, which he's done, but come on, that's like, ask, it feels like it's asking a lot, but I feel like if you're in his spot right now, I mean, 65 goals is the best season in 30 years. Um, it's Ovechkin season 07, 08. I feel like if you're him, like you want to have a season better than Alex Ovechkin has ever had scoring wise. I mean, he's, I mean, he's already done something amazing. Ovechkin never hit 1550 is great of a goal scorer he's been. I mean, part of Ovechkin, of course, is that he was the best goal scorer in pretty much every given season he played in the league, but also mm-hmm. that his long, his longevity is part of his story. Right. But the fact that Austin Matthews is now hitting a, a peak. And again, it might be a one-year peak. We don't know that that's better than Ovechkin has ever produced. I mean, that I, I'm not sure I would have thought we'd see that. I didn't think we'd see someone score 15, 50 um, again, you know, it's only been done a handful of times ever. And most of those times it was in the eighties when, when goal scoring was at a range that it's never been at prior or since in NHL history. So um, this is a, this is really magical. If, if you're watching the games, like he had a game, he didn't score last week in Florida. He had like 10 shots on net. Like, it's not like, He's had, I looked in the last month, he's had a, an individual games with 12, 11, and 10 shots on net, uh, which is just mind-blowing. And obviously, when you shoot the puck as well as he does, if you're generating that many chances, that many shots, you're just going to score. And so this is as dominant as he's been. I don't know I don't know if he can keep it up. Like, I don't know if we can expect him to score a goal a game. Some people think it's not impossible. We see 70 goals still. That would require 12 goals in 11 games after already scoring 51 and 50. It might be a little too much to ask. but you know, for, for going on the betting theme again, Julian, you'd lose a lot of money if you bet against Austin Matthews this year. So I'm not, I'm not going to say he can't do it. I just, you know, let's be realistic and say it's going to be going to be difficult. I think Steve on his last episode said uh, that he could see uh, Austin Matthews hitting 70 goals. I, I think 70 might be a bit much, but also he's scoring at the rate that he's scoring. Like I, I don't blame people for thinking that he could reach that plateau. And, and, and like we were talking earlier about the, the home run chase in the late nineties, like I kind of want to see him at least try it. Like that's something that's a storyline to follow between now and the end of the regular season. Can Austin Matthews hit 70 goals? I, I kind of want to see him try it. He's a man on a mission. Like you can tell you, you watch him in these games, like he, it's not that he look at the guy scored four goals in his first NHL game. I mean, he's, he's been trying to score every game he's ever played he's played 400 NHL games but there's just like an extra level there of like just taking the puck to the net like you you can you can see that he's he's got sort of the fire in his eyes and like look he he would have had like last year would have been something in this this range for him had it been an 82 game season but you know if you're you're in the back of his mind like you just don't know what the future holds he's just been robbed of a couple seasons where he definitely would have got at least 50 He's actually now averaging, if you take his whole career numbers, he's averaging 52 goals a season since he entered the NHL, like the pace he scored at. Um, so this is, this is really, this is, this is probably like the culmination of what could be his best ever year. Although maybe if we talk about Roman Yossi more, I'll explain some, an interesting sort of trend that, that's happening in his year. But um, this, is, this is pretty crazy. And, and let's face it, the Leafs are more or less, I mean, I won't say locked in. I, mean, I guess if they get cold, they could – fall back in the Atlantic, but they're probably not catching Florida for the division title. I mean, this is a lot of what the team has going for it too, um, is, is celebrating this. You can see the guys getting around it. And I think the reason you can start some of these crazy numbers, like remember Coburg Pappy was in the building when Austin got 50, March 31st, my dad's birthday, nine days later, he's at 58 goals. Like he got to 50 and then scored eight goals in a nine day stretch of games. Um, you know, so he's, he's allowing you to start imagining, like, yeah, he might just score 10 goals in the next two weeks. Like, it's it's not impossible. But as I say, he might also go cold and, like, go three games without a goal. I mean, that's that would be what we would call normal normally. But there's nothing but the season for him has been normal. Shout out to you using Coburg Poppy. You start with Coburg Papa, and now it's gone to Coburg Poppy. Uh, that's what yeah. I wanted to start with, and then you went Papa. So both nicknames are perfectly acceptable for your father. Absolutely. It's a little, a little twist uh, on on it. You know, my my dad's grandkids started calling him Cobra Papa, and it stuck. And it's his it's his email address. It's his it's his Twitter account. Don't and, uh, put out all the man's info like that. We don't need to know what his email is. 
Well, what are you going to do? Send him a nice note, I hope. If you do anything else, you're not welcome to show as it is. So That's very true. Uh, I don't know. I guess put the email in the description if you want to send uh, CJ's father a nice note. I, I should have thought of that as well. I just didn't want, I didn't want people, you know, flooding his inbox with, you know, random stuff. I'm not doxing him. Don't worry. I didn't tell you what right. server he uses or what, you know, anyway. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anyway, uh, you mentioned Roman Yossi. There is a sort of a new segment idea I want to do for a little later on this episode. And I think I'll use that as an entry point to discussing Roman Yossi. Uh, One other thing I want to mention about Austin Matthews. A lot of people, uh, at least on the precipice of him accomplishing 50 and 50, started bringing up the whole thing about him doing this, but not from the beginning of the season, from partway of the season to now he gets 50 goals. Well, over 50 goals now in 50 games compared to those who have done it from day one to game 50 or whatever marker they get 50 at. Where do you stand on this debate? Well, it means it doesn't go officially into the record book is all it means. Um, because the way the league has always measured this is it's, it's the team's first 50 games. So it's not even just your first 50 games from the start of the season. You know, say if you miss a few, uh, it's the, it's in your, did you score 50 in your team's first 50 games? And so it's a very small number of players who've achieved that, but even still factoring in for any 50 game stretch in a season, you know, this is the first time since 95, 96. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't mind if you put a, like sort of an asterisk on it or whatever, but I still think it's 50 goals and 50 games. And we're, we're measuring that against all the players that have played, um, you know, in the last 27 years, the, he's the first to do it. So it, it's still, it's still a crazy achievement. I'm not going to sit here and knock it down because he didn't do it right out of the start of the year. He also missed three games to start the season. Um, missed two more games for suspension. I mean, that, that that's the other crazy thing. We're talking about him maybe beating Ovechkin's, best single season and he's going to at most play 77 games. So let's not, let's not forget that a couple goals are probably left out there too, just with his, his injury and, and the suspension he took. I, I appreciate the explanation. I appreciate the tone of your explanation as well, as opposed to what Dangle did on his LFR where he pretty much started yelling at everybody about the whole 50 and 50 concept. Like sometimes I think that brother needs to calm down. Well, I mean, he, I'm not going to tell Steve what to do. He knows what's working for him. I know it's just sometimes it just it's not that deep. It's not that deep. Anyway, uh, this concludes Leafs Corner. I know some people are already like, man, you guys talk way too much about the Leafs. But anyway, we had to because Austin Matthews, he's doing great things, and greatness has to be acknowledged on the podcast. I wanted to I, I took a look at the standings over the weekend and I'm trying to, you know, follow some of the races going on. And I'm curious, CJ, if there are any particular down to the wire playoff races that stick out to you. It seems like there's a log jam in the Western conference wildcard race, uh, the Pacific division and over in the Atlantic on our shores as well, uh, in terms of where the teams are being sorted and all that. I'm just curious if there's anything that has stuck out to you in terms of playoff races. For me, it's the West wildcard race and, and specifically it's Vegas because as we're recording this, the Golden Knights are not currently inside the playoff window. I mean, they're certainly right there. If, if they have a strong finish of the year, they, they can make the playoffs, but if they make the playoffs to me, they're not truly a wildcard team again, depending on health. And so like, I, th- I think that they can be like a little bit of an X factor if they get in, obviously they're going to have to start on the road and, and, you know, play a tough team in round one, but they could win round one, you know, assuming Mark Stone's back, which, you know, I, it's my understanding is very close to returning, probably see him this week in a game. Um, you know, assuming they get some of their, their players back, this this team, no one would want to play as a, as a quote-unquote low seed. But at the flip side of that, they could very much miss the playoffs because, you know, Dallas and Nashville have managed to stay ahead of them this last little bit. And so that, that to me, probably has most of my appeal. You know, I haven't started focusing in too much on the seeding because it's, 
you know, if you look at the Atlantic or even the Metro, it can still move around. I mean, there's no point in getting too worked up about that just yet. I mean, we get to the last mm-hmm. week, we'll be thinking about the matchups, right? But, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see if the Golden Knights are able to get in. Uh, because if they get in, I think they could be really dangerous. It's just, you know, it's it's been a crazy year from that. Right out of the gate, they had a million injuries. They, they've sustained more as the year went along. Obviously, losing Stone for these last month or two has, has been difficult. Um you know, they've been dancing the salary cap dance. Like it's just, it's been a really difficult slog of a regular season for them, but you know, we're, we're here inside less than 10 games left in the, in the year. And, and they're, they're very much sort of a 40, 60 slash 50, 50 proposition. Like I, I don't know if they're going to get in, if they're going to run out of runway or if they can surge and, and get one of those teams at the wire. It's funny. You think of Vegas and of course you would, because they're the team that is built as the way that they are. They have Jack Eichel and a series between Edmonton and Vegas would be so tantalizing. You have the top two picks from the 2015 draft going against each other. But one team I really want to see mess stuff up in all of this madness, and I know they're still within fighting distance of making it, is the Vancouver Canucks. They, they, they're right. still a couple points out. But, like, the fact that they made the coaching change, Bruce, there it is, as a thing. They still have the core that they have. Maybe they make some changes in the offseason. I'd like to see them just kind of go on that run, make the playoffs, and just kind of, you know, come out of nowhere just when we were all thinking, okay, it's Vegas who's going to take that last spot or, or however it ends up working out. But Vegas, but Vancouver would need to win a would need to do pretty well over the last stretch of games that they have to end their season. But like I'm I'm, I'm quietly hoping Vancouver does something fun. Well, credit where it's due, because the Canucks from where they were in early December, I don't think too many of us would have them within even this picture, this conversation at this stage of the season. But the numbers just aren't in their favor. Like They've got a real off five or six or seven straight wins, most likely to, to pass those. Cause you know, it's just, it's not just the points. It's the teams around them are collecting points, but you know, they're still there and you're right. That would be, that would be quite a story. I just kind of mentally, I'm not, I, I, I don't see them doing it, but look, go prove me wrong. Cause you've already proven me wrong to this point. I, I thought that their, their season was a lost cause by the time they made that coaching change and, and they have managed to, to get back there, but man, how are you going to pass two of, Dallas, Nashville, or, or Vegas. I think I think it's going to be difficult. And the Los Angeles Kings were currently in third in that Pacific division as well, which I think we had a question last week where someone was asking uh, if it's more beneficial, I think, if the Kings start on the road. But, uh, yeah, the Kings are quietly there, a team that's been trying to rebuild itself into, you know, a, a perennial playoff team now, and maybe they're ahead of schedule, but it would also be fun to see them make the playoffs too. Yeah, well, they're in a great spot. I mean, it's they don't have that X beside their name, but they're they've they've done most of the work to get it so far. So, you know, provided the wheels don't fall off here, I think that they're they're gonna qualify and that's a great season. I mean, they they've gone through a little bit of a rebuild there. They're using some younger players. We'll see if they get Drew Doughty back for a stretch of games or not. Um, you know, I think it could really help their their chances. But let's face it, they're they're building for the next five seasons. Um, but I think that there's a lot to be gained. To, to get in now. And, and, you know, they've, as I say, I'm pretty comfortable saying they're, they're in, but who knows last three weeks, anything could happen. I'm telling, you. I'm telling you, man, that's, and that's what we're going to, I mean, hopefully closer to the end of the playoffs, we're going to continue to do these playoff checks and stuff. And we'll be, I think we'll be proven right with how close the Western conference just race is right now. So we're definitely going to double back to that handful of teams over the next few weeks. We can't forget about Nashville as well. Uh, We're holding down a a, a wild card spot right now. And of course have arguably the leading candidate for the Norris trophy, not named Kale McCarr in Roman Yossi, which just, again, just his season's been incredible. Right. You want to go there now or what? Let's do it. So for this segment that uh, I decided to put together, I basically put together a couple of moments that have happened over the last little while. And uh, it's not really like the grab bag segment, which I have to inform everyone. I've sort of retired it after that. Uh, that <laughs> one SDPN meme had me with the McDonald's bag. I was like, all right, you know what? I can't come back from this. So, so grab bag is dead. And uh, in its place in the meantime, uh, we're just going to call this shout out. So this is just us just acknowledging some moments that have happened in the last little while. We don't have to spend too long on them, but, uh, you know, Roman Yossi. Let's start with him first. Uh, and the fact that he is, you know, just having our, like, again, the, he broke the record uh, for most points in a single season by a member of the Nashville Predators, a record once held by Paul Correa, who spent all of two seasons in Nashville. And Roman Yossi 
having an incredible season. And I, I can't help but think with Roman Yossi, he won the Norris Trophy, I forget which year, but he won it in a year where John Carlson was outproducing him and was having a spectacular year statistically. And I kept tell, I, th- and I thought about it, like Roman Yossi's having an amazing year this year. Like, what if people gave it to Caleb McCarr and just it would just be crazy ironic if that would happen. But I, I, I genuinely think because of the year that Roman Yossi's having, that should be enough for him to, to win the Norris this year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the voters feel. Like, it's tough for me to I don't have as good a sense for this one because, it, you know, I think the award is, is specifically said the best sort of all around defenseman. So offensive exactly. play counts. But but defensive acumen does too, and, and I'm not knocking Yossi's defensive play, but someone might build a case for Victor Hedman or, or Kale McCarr that way. Uh, but it's pretty hard to ignore 19 goals and 87 points, and, and knowing that he's still got 11 games to add to that. You know, the number that I'm focused on, of course, is 100, uh, because it's been a long, long time since any defenseman had 100 points in the league. And there, in fact, there's only been 14 individual seasons where a defenseman had 100 points, and what Say that to me about Yossi is he's so far beyond his greatest season in terms of production. I think 65 points was his career high before this year. And he's 31. Like this is the point where you would expect some age related decline for any player. That's it's certainly no shot at him, no slight at him. And even if you look at those, the guys in the eighties, like the defensemen who were getting hundred points, none of them did it at 31. The oldest was Paul coffee at 28 to ever have a hundred point season as a defenseman. So you're seeing something that really, it's, it's difficult to explain. It's difficult because, first of all, defensemen just don't get 100 points. And secondly, he's doing it in his 11th NHL season, which is which is quite something. Like, you know, I'm talking to you about Austin Matthews season. He's in his sixth year. Like, I'm mm-hmm. saying this could be the actual peak of his career. Just And, and I think he'll have a whole bunch of great seasons after this. But, you know, it, it's difficult for players to, to get better or get more productive as they get into the back half their 20s, let alone their early 30s. And so I think that that's part of the Yossi season that's maybe been overlooked. I mean, it's it's almost hard for me to explain. I'm not sure there is an explanation other than it is this year, of course, league-wide where scoring's gone up. But but his personal scoring rate has gone up so much that, you know, it's, it's I mean, tip your cap to him. And, and you're right. I think certainly he's going to be getting a lot of Norris votes. I, I, I'm curious to see how that one falls, though, because I think there's one of three players that could conceivably get that award. So this is an elaborate way of saying uh-huh. that if you were asked to make a pick for the Norris Trophy today, you could not make that pick. I haven't looked at it close enough. My, my gut tells me, though, I would be Roman Yossi, but I haven't done the kind of work I'll do you know, before my ballot's due in a, in a few weeks' time. Uh, but my, my gut suggests it'll be Yossi. Earlier in the year, I would have told you it was definitely going to be McCarr. I think there was a time when I probably said Hedman, too. I think Hedman's had a great year. This has probably been Hedman's best regular season out of the last couple. Uh, but... You know, there's there's three obvious choices to me in that that spot, and those will probably be your three finalists. I, I just don't yet know what order they'll go in. And look, some of it will be dependent on what happens between now and the end of the year. I think that's it's like the one thing everyone looks past. You know, we've all enjoyed having this heart trophy conversation debate, what have you. But it's like if, if Matthews goes cold over the last ten games, it will look differently upon the whole season. Um, you know, than if we were voting today, and so it's it's hard to. You know, 10 games, a lot can happen, good and bad. Uh, and so the same with Yossi. Maybe he charges to the finish, he gets over 100 points. I think then it would be really tough to deny him. But maybe, maybe the, you know, the season goes wrong. Maybe Nashville slides out of a playoff spot. That could affect him. You know, all these these sort of things can happen. And, and so I try not to, like, lock in my vote mentally even uh, early because I, I think it's unfair. I mean, you're judging the whole season and there's still an eighth of the season to play. That is true. So, uh, yeah, we have to shout out Roman Yossi there. The next person I want to shout out is Sidney Crosby. Got himself his 1,400th career point against the Nashville Predators on Sunday. Uh, you know, no no big deal. Just Sidney Crosby just reaching 14, uh, 1,400 points for his NHL career. In game uh, 1,100. If you like round numbers, it was nice round number day. That, yeah, that's a really nice round number for uh, the man formerly known, or I guess – People still call him Sid the Kid, but dude is, he's not a kid anymore. We don't need to do this. He's not. And, and it, we talk about age-related decline. He's he's also, if you look at his points per game rate, this is, he's had one, he's 1.23. I looked this morning, uh, points per game. He had one season about four or five years ago that was a little bit above that. But if you look back like his last 10 seasons, this is his second best season of those 10 years in points per game. So, you know, 
I think that we're seeing a trend here. Look, all players league wide that are talented and good are having better years than they've had because there's more goals and stuff. But you know, give Crosby credit with where he's at. He turns 35 in August uh, to be having that kind of year. I think he's probably slipped a little bit below the radar. You know, he also in Sunday's game he scored his 19th overtime winner. I think that's second on the all-time list. I think it was mm-hmm. his 58th overtime point, which is the most in NHL history. Um, you know, and he's 22. He actually moved into 22nd on the all-time scoring list. Ovechkin's 21st, just a couple points ahead. Like we're seeing these guys for so long, you know, they were the young faces of the league. They, they, they put their own charge into the NHL back 15 years ago. Well, now we're just watching them march up this all-time points list. And, you know, let's hope we still got a number of years left with them, but, but certainly both, I think more than capable of getting inside the top 10, uh, of that, because as we're seeing Crosby, he's scoring at a rate that would, would almost be hundred points, a little bit less than a hundred point rate right now. Uh, had he played the full season. Yep. And we kind of have it in the back because we're focusing on so many other players in yeah, the NHL well, right now. There's, there's some new shiny toys on, on the scene, you know, that is very true. Uh, I want to shout out, uh, the university of Michigan, uh, and uh, a couple of trio of players signing some ELCs over the last few days. Kent Johnson with the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, Maddie Beniers with the Seattle Kraken, and Owen Power out in Buffalo, who, uh, if I'm correct, may make his NHL debut this week, tomorrow. Uh, any thoughts on uh, those three players out of Michigan, and in particular, Owen Power, who has had himself quite a 2020, 2022, playing at the World Juniors, playing at the Olympics, going all the way to the semis of the Frozen Four, and now finds himself as a Buffalo Sabre, the number one overall pick in last year's NHL draft. Well, disappointing end for Michigan, who had sort of a super team this year uh, with all this NHL level talent uh, to, to fall you know, a little short in the Frozen Four. But that's that's the nice part of this, right, is, is you lose and, and there's disappointment there. And then a day or two later, you're signing your entry level contract. You're getting paid you know, some money to start and you're, you find yourself pulling on a sweater of an NHL team within a week. And, and so it, it's going to be cool to see all those guys uh, get a chance to, to jump into the NHL. Now I would expect they'll all be NHL regulars next season. Uh, probably means we won't necessarily see them at the world junior tournament when it's held in August, although we'll see how each individual situation is handled, but that's, that that's part of the kind of the, the strange aspect here is, is that the world junior tournament that was, that started to be held in Edmonton and got canceled you know, sometimes those players now might not want to return for an August tournament because it'll be right before their NHL training camp. It might be something the teams don't want. You know, it'll be a storyline we're following into the summer. But, um, you know, Owen Power has tons of hype around him, justifiably so, the number one pick in the draft last year uh, for Buffalo. You know, the Sabres, I think we've given them a little bit of love on the pod, but they've, they have they kind of have something going there. They've, they've certainly are been much less of a pushover than we've seen in some of their recent years. Uh, seem to have like a nice mojo with their young players. And and so I'm sure they're excited to get Owen Power there to start integrating him into that group, get him to play some games. Um, you know, I believe he could have been an NHL player this year had he, had he not chosen to, to go to, to Michigan. Um, you know, Matty Beneers going to Seattle. He was the second overall pick. And, and then Ken Johnson, Johnson going to uh, Columbus. I mean, it's uh, that was a, that was a special college team. Didn't quite get the job done, but but those guys are all going to be uh, making their mark in the NHL in, in these next few weeks. Absolutely. I especially can't wait for Owen Power to see how he does, especially in Buffalo, a team that we've already said is doing some things right. And then the addition of Owen Power, we'll see how he gets deployed on that team. Maybe there will finally be some respectability with the Buffalo Sabres. Maybe. They're, Maybe. Well, they're respectable now. I mean, it's not where they want to be. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they're not. they're not getting – the, the wheels beat off them every night. And also I think you're seeing from that team, you're just seeing something grow there. I mean, the, the, the Eichel trade, we'll see how it goes. It, it's worked out for both teams. Like Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck have both been, um, you know, really good additions to the Sabres playing like they, they kind of want to be there. Like, I just think that they maybe turned a corner in terms of some of the, you know, whatever is hung over that dressing room. And it's been a, look, it's been a tough place to play. We heard Ryan O'Reilly say that years ago when he left. By the time Eichel's time was there, he was ready to go. I think you finally have a group of players that, that want to be there, that are, that are seeing some growth. And and I think there's some real value in these NCAA players getting games immediately NHL. Just gives them a chance to, to know what to expect when they come back for a full training camp and the start of a season next year. And so, you know, I think it, you're right. It'll be interesting to watch 
it's not so much about what they do in terms of production or anything like that, but just, just see how they fit in and, and, and how they jump. I mean, it's, it's still a big leap from the NCAA, to the NHL in, in a matter of a week. And well, that's what Owen Power is about to do here uh, on Tuesday. Next shout out. Uh, I have to do a small correction. I might've said that Kirill Kaprizov has already broken the record for most goals in a single season by a Minnesota Wild player. He's I tied. That is my mistake. However, Kirill Kaprizov has the record for most points in a Minnesota Wild season at 89. Do you know the other two players that Kirill Kaprizov is tied in with goals, uh, most goals scored in a single season by a Minnesota Wild player? You can pretty, make a pretty good guess at one, and I think you know the second one too. Marion Gavrick and Eric Stahl. Correct. Those two players also scored 42 goals in a season. Just had to mention that because uh, I do not want to disrespect Kirill the Thrill a.k.a. Dollar Bill Kirill, because that dude, I'm telling you, even though he plays in Minnesota, maybe not a lot of people are paying attention to the Minnesota Wild, which you should be because they are a very good team, uh, especially if you're out on the East Coast or any other coast, you should be watching the Minnesota Wild and you should be watching uh, one of the most electric players in the game right now in Dollar Bill Kirill. So shout out to him because he's killing it this year. He's a highlight reel, man. He's awesome. And, you know, it's funny because there's so much discussion last summer about that contract they gave him. I mean he didn't have a huge platform to negotiate that kind of deal. Obviously that was what a lot of people say. He's played whatever 60 games all against one, uh, you know, one conference. We don't know what he can be, but you know, they, the, the Minnesota wild did not do poorly in that negotiation. If you look at what he's producing now, I mean, he's, he's been worth every dollar bill Kirill, and I suspect he will be in these coming seasons too. Okay. So the next one I want to get to, I think we mentioned the St. Louis blues. I want to say last week, and we both kind of said, we don't really have that much, of an opinion on them right now. And of course we will, that'll change as we get to uh, the playoffs and all that. But did you know, CJ? Well, of course you probably do. They have seven 20 goal scores on their team. I did not know that. If I'm being they honest. have seven, seven. So uh, Brandon Saad at 20, Braden Shen at 21, Jordan Cairo at 23, Yvonne Barbashev at 23 as well. David Perron, who uh, you may have heard on, uh, you know, he, his agent, uh, you pretty much know who his agent is, uh, Pavel Buchnevich at 25. And their leading goal scorer is a guy who had asked for a trade and Seattle could have had for nothing in the expansion draft. And Vladimir Tarasenko at 26 goal. The St. Louis Blues, comfortably in the Central Division, 720 goal scorers on their team. That is really impressive. That'll be good come playoff time. Because that, that, that means... You're not really just shutting down one player if you're you're game planning against them. Um, yeah, I mean that's it's impressive. I, I guess there's an argument there. What what would you rather have? Do you want a team built of players? Because you know none of that production in and of itself is crazy. I mean even for Tarasenko, a 27 goal season. You know let's call it. He's probably going to come in under 35. Like that's below what he's been at his peak. So do you want a bunch of guys that are productive but not superstar level productive, or do you want the high end, dry sidles, McDavid's, Matthews, Marner. I, I don't know. There's probably a good argument there either way. I mean, obviously in Toronto's case, when those guys weren't productive last spring, you know, they weren't able to advance past the first round. But then at the same time, you, you don't really have the game, game breakers on the Blues uh, that, that you do in some other places. And I'll mention as well, two other guys could join the 20-goal plateau in Robert Thomas, who's at 18, a smooth 18, and Ryan O'Reilly at 17. This team could have as many as nine 20-goal scorers. Like, for a team, if you're going up against Toronto in a playoff series, you should be thinking, okay, what do you do to stop Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and then try to have other people beat you? What do you do if you come up against a team like the St. Louis Blues where it's like, okay, well, Tarasenko can score goals, but so can Braden Shen. But so could David Perron, who's, who could contribute in the role that he's in. But Jordan Cairo is also having an amazing season as well. Like, what do you do if you're a defense and you're trying to trying to stifle a team that has as many goal scorers as they have? Like, I think we might be underrating the St. Louis Blues a little bit. Yeah, you've got to assess which line you think is the most dangerous and then in game plan in reverse. And, and what you view as their first line might not be what they view as their first line. I mean, that's that's part of what I'm sort of deducing from those numbers is that there's not necessarily a clear, clear first line in terms of production uh, because it's, it's spread throughout the lineup. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that they, they could be dangerous. A lot of it comes down to goaltending, but you've also got a lot of players that want to stand like up there. I mean, there's no reason to think like we, we can all get wrapped up in what team has the most points and all that in the regular season. Like it literally starts at zero, right? You know, Florida is having this amazing year, but 
you know, they, they could lose the first two games of a playoff series. <laughs> and, and at that point, it doesn't really matter about their season. We saw that with the Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago when they set an NHL record uh, kind of season and then they got swept. I mean, it, it I, I'm not predicting that for Florida. I should be clear, but I'm just saying that like mm. it, all, all that you've accomplished over 82 games gets wiped away in about 18 days time from now. And, and so, you know, teams like St. Louis that, that haven't maybe commanded the headlines will we'll probably have a little more belief than, than maybe the belief in them from afar. And so, you know, I, that's, that's what makes a playoff so great to watch. I mean, it can be so heartbreaking too. It's also what drives Steve Dangle to yell at a camera. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, man, this is such a fun time of year. Like I am pumped. It finally felt like spring. I'm going to say Julian in Toronto this weekend, I was downtown on Saturday and like mm. there was a buzz back, like the Jays were in town. Like there's actually people on the streets, you know, there's a big Leafs Habs game Saturday night. Like it started to feel like, oh yeah, the playoffs are coming. Like this is, this is happening. And for me, this is the best time of year. I love the Masters, which we just got through on Sunday. You got this baseball starting. You got the playoffs coming. I mean, this if you're a sports nut, which I am, obviously. Hey, we even had the Cobra Cougars open their playoff series with a three-two win in Wellington. So look, it's it's all happening right now. Well done. Uh, we'll get to the Jays and ask CJ. Don't worry about that. And also. Uh, Billy Huso, if you want to talk about goaltending for the Blues, uh, he's established himself as the guy to lean on at 22-6-5 and five with a 9-2-4 save percentage for in this year. Ending free agent, Billy Huso. Yes. So, look, the St. Louis Blues, I got to figure out a little bit more before I make my predictions for, for the playoffs this year, but uh, that's a team that intrigues me very much, and they're just kind of quietly hanging around in the Western Conference. And admittedly, we have not given them their due, but they're just kind of quietly hanging around. The last thing I want to shout out uh, before we conclude the segment and get to ask CJ, uh, what do you think of the brand new SDPN show, the Jesse Blake Sports Report, which apparently Adam is not happy about because of the name. Shocker, Adam Wilde is not happy about something. The, the angry boss, eh, Adam? It's never never up to his stand. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Good for Jesse. I, I, I saw on his Instagram there when it was his birthday. It said Jesse's day. It's Man, every day should be Jesse day. I love Jesse Blake. I love Jesse Blake, too. I said my suggestion to him. Although I see he, he successfully guided a team to another Stanley Cup final loss. Oh. <laughs> Dude, man. As a, Jesse Blake, the podcast host? Keep doing that. Jesse Blake doing all this, all this stuff, all the ads are good. As a GM, I have questions. I uh, have questions. He's, he's the bridesmaid when it comes to, when it comes to his teams and, and, you know, building a team. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It, also a suggestion. I'll make it uh, public here. If he wants to change that name of the podcast, you're here with Jesse Blake, just because on his Twitch streams, it'll be like, you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. He's quoting Jay-Z. I know that. So why not? You're here with Jesse Blake. Just a play on that. That's that's my suggestion in the pool of potential names for that podcast, which I think is still more than Adam and Steve contributed to all of that. Anyway, anyway, let's get to ask CJ or as CJ once coined uh, during a previous episode of the show. Ask CJ. Remember that? Remember that you tried to do the little musical interlude? For that, for that second, ask CJ. Ask CJ. You could ask him anything you want. Anything. Yeah. The more weird anything. questions, the better. Actually, perfect set. Perf, perfect slogan for the Ask CJ segment. We're going to take questions from Discord and as well from Twitter. Uh, speaking of questions from Discord, from Robert Malloy, he felt to ask a question in our question uh, thread. Has CJ learned not to tweet about how good a Toronto sports team is? <laughs> this comes after you tweet about the Jays and never calling tweet. them a, a whack. You call this them is a what wagon? I've learned. Just never tweet. Never share a thought. What just is a just... wagon? What is a wagon in the context that you were bringing them up? I because because when I saw that, I'm like, what what the hell are you talking about? What is a wagon? It means they can't be stopped, man. Like they're just they're they're fire wagon. They're they're they were up six nothing, like two innings, three innings into the game on Sunday. I was pumped. Excited to watch my team. I had the big comeback Friday night. They won Saturday, come out hitting on Sunday. I tweet that. I loved, by the way, I don't know if you noticed that the team account tweeted back and like thank you for using the J word. And then apparently I still somehow jinxed them because Texas came back and beat the snot out of them. So um, the lesson here, kids, honestly, just never tweet. 
just sit in your living room and enjoy a game. Think that your team's awesome, but don't put it out in the world because whenever you do that, then you get the whole internet screaming at you for six months. Which is funny because the first game of that series with the Jays and the Rangers, the, the Rangers were up like six, nothing on the Jays and they came back and won. So it, it, it's tough, but it, that's baseball. It happens. You could be being the snot out of one team, 11, one, one night, and then you lose a heartbreaker, like eight to three or something, not eight to three, eight to six or something like that's just baseball. It's the first series of the year. There's like a hundred and something more of these games left. Like the Jays could still be a wagon. No, the Jays are awesome. That's not even. I love fun. it. I love it. Remember, I called the Habs a juggernaut early in a season where they went to the Stanley Cup final. You were right. But, and you were but right. Like, but like, obviously things went really bad right after I tweeted that and Claude Julian lost his job and blah, 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 blah. But like, yeah. like they still went to the Stanley Cup final. It wasn't like I... I branded them that, and then they lost every game and missed the playoffs. And so the Jays are a wagon. I stand by it, although I'm worried now that this is going to stick to me like this juggernaut thing. And and honestly, like I'm just going to have to fold up the Twitter account at some point. Here's something I just want to put out right now. I'm just going to say this right now when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens, because you did say they were a juggernaut. And I did say, and I reiterated it on the Steve Dangle podcast, that year's Montreal Canadiens team will be the best Canadiens team I've seen in my life. I just want to let everyone know we were both right. Let everyone know from now, we were both right. Sorry, not sorry. I just want that's how it has to be done. We were both right. Anyway. Right. Although there is a little bit of smoke and mirrors probably on the cup run. But like, look at that's that's I mean, this is what we're talking about. Like it, it doesn't matter what your record was the minute the playoffs started, that they finished X points behind the Leafs, they still won the series. So that is very true. Okay, next one from Hasty Client on Discord. Uh, he actually posted a link for this one, and I kind of had to synthesize it a little bit. But uh, he asks for your thoughts on the likelihood of this happening. So in Quebec, uh, the Minister of Education, Isabelle Chachet, is actually calling for more severe penalties to take place when it comes to fighting in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. She's calling for the league to implement rules that will have you know automatic game misconduct for people who fight and a suspension. So basically more stringent rules than the ones that are in place in the queue. So uh, this guy just wants to know your thoughts on, on the likelihood of, of the queue actually trying to implement more stringent penalties for fighting. And I guess we can get into a discussion about whether or not other leagues in the CHL should take notice. I think the likelihood of responding to some politicians saying it and, and that being the, the drive for change is unlikely. But let's face it, this is where it's going overall. I mean, the American Hockey League has automatic suspensions for players once you get to 10 fighting majors in a season. You know, I could see things like that. You know, those types of rules or, or constraints being put in over time. I think we're seeing fighting at all levels of hockey, including the NHL, go down basically with each passing year. And so over time, sure, we're going to see more penalties like that. I think you'll see them in the NHL perhaps even. But I, I don't I don't see this being the call to change, the call to action that's that's forcing the the, you know, the, the people at the top of that league to, to make it a switch. I think just that's sort of the, the general shift. I mean, they're, they're really, you don't see many fights in hockey anymore. And so 10 years from now, we might see almost none. And, and it'll be because more rules and regulations have come in. And also it's just kind of out of, it's getting weeded out of the culture of, of the sport too. This next one is from Half in the Bag, also known as Le Petit Viking on Twitter. But also Steve Dangle brought this to our attention uh, a couple of days ago, uh, during I think just before the Leafs Canadians game over the weekend, uh, Nick Suzuki gave a stick to a young fan in the crowd, and uh, the the arena. They, someone from the arena told them that he couldn't stay in the arena with the stick, so the family had to go back to their hotel uh, with the photo with the with the stick with from Nick Suzuki, which he was really nice about it. Did a whole photo with him as well. It was like a nice moment, but you know, he just couldn't stay in the arena with the stick. So half in the bag tweets, oh, your thoughts on the SBC telling a Canadians fan, keep the stick Suzuki gave you and leave or give up the stick and stay. Well, I don't like it. It's, I don't it's, like I, it either. It feels like there has to be some kind of compromise to be made. Like, can they, could the arena staff not have kept the stick safe for them somewhere and then they pick it up on the way out of the building? Like, it feels like that's, that's an extreme use of the situation i understand look there's there's rules about what you can bring into the arena you can't bring like a bag full of stuff anymore they're worried about people's safety i do understand that mm -hmm. but i mean let's it's a little kid who got a stick from a player like it's clear where he got the stick from 
Um, and I understand also why the kid didn't want to give up a stick. If I was in his shoes and I was his age and it was my favorite player, if Doug Gilmore had given me a stick in like 1992 or three in an NHL game, I probably would have left the game too, rather than, than give up my stick. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's an unfortunate set of circumstances. I don't know enough about how that came to be. Obviously there's rules in the rank, but you just think you'd like to think logic would, would win in something like this, right? That, the, the security person would understand why the kid has the stick, why he wants to keep the stick and why he should be allowed to stay for the game uh, because his family has tickets. And so that's, it's an unfortunate outcome. Hopefully there's some make good that can be done, whether it's getting him tickets to a future game or what have you. But yeah, that's, it's, I don't like hearing that. I mean, that's, that's not, doesn't make much sense to me, quite frankly. We're in the same boat from Taylor C underscore two, one, one, two. What has been your highlight of the Masters this weekend? I it wasn't Scotty Scheffler winning, and respect to him, but like he's kind of like a robotic player, and he was amazing, and he was full value for his win. But probably Rory's charge on Sunday was was one of the things. I mean, just seeing Tiger play for me, and I, and I know he was a non-factor basically after the first round of the, the tournament, but. Getting him, seeing him back playing was was one of the highlights, and then seeing Rory finish so strong on Sunday because you know I've been kind of confused. I really like Rory McIlroy as a person, as a player. Everything I know about him seems like just an awesome guy, but I, I've, he's he's kind of like drifted from the top of, of the sport, and and I'm not clear why he's not at an age where he would predict that, and and so I'm kind of hopeful we see him get his career back on track, and so hopefully that was a sign towards that. Did you see his uh, his chip in from the sand trap on eighteen? Uh, I did. It was awesome. That was amazing. Him and Colin Morikawa both uh, doing uh, chip ins on eighteen to end off their rounds. That I think might have been my highlight of the Masters weekend. Uh, and and obviously seeing Tiger Woods at least just try to play through a tournament. It's it's, it's not the same Tiger, but we had the whole discussion about him last week. It's just cool to see that he's playing. But uh, yeah, my highlight I'm an optimist, was definitely. So I think what we saw out of Tiger, I actually think he can still compete. Um, the fact he walked 72 holes in four days, given what happened to his leg. Uh, and we, I don't know. I, I wouldn't bet against him. I, I, I was more, I was more curious if he could just play the whole tournament and like physically get through it. I think the fact he's done that, like watch him at St. Andrews at British, at the British open where he's won twice in his career. I think, I think, he might have one more magic moment in him anyway. And, and that that's, I came away more hopeful, even though he finished, you know, so far off the lead. This next one from leafy TV remarkably has nothing to do with uh, one hockey player's middle name. This is from leafy TV on Twitter. You're walking on the sidewalk in a store parking lot. As you approach a parking spot blocked by a cart, someone trying to park honks at you repeatedly. They can clearly see you did not put the cart there. Is their behavior wrong? And if yes, do you move the cart anyway? Yes, their behavior is wrong. And yes, you move the cart. Come on. You got to, anything you can do small to like put in the karma bank, you do. So, you know, you should pick up a piece of garbage. If you see it somewhere, it shouldn't be, you should move a cart. I mean, any, all these small things make, make life better for everyone around you. And, and that kind of flows through. So they can still be wrong, but you should still move the cart. That's such a wholesome answer. And I would have done the exact same thing too. I would have just like looked at them, just like kind of given the hand, like I didn't do this, but then just push the cart out and then just go on with my day. That's such a nice yeah. answer. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Last one from JRock022 on Twitter. Will there be a coaching change in Detroit this summer? I don't know. It's a tough one. Like, <laughs> well, because look, Jeff Blaschel's been there for a long time, but it's been a period where the team was transitioning from what it was to what it's going to be. And, you know, they've been loyal to him. He's been a longtime member of the organization. So I suppose it's possible there is, but, um, you know, I, I don't, we can't fault him for their record. Like I don't, they haven't had a coaching issue. They've had a roster issue. They've had a salary cap issue at one point, like they had to transition to a younger team. And so I, I don't have a good sense of what Steve Eisenman's thinking on that, but I, I don't see that there has to be a coaching change there. Uh, you know, sometimes just changing for change sake isn't the answer either. So I, I don't have a good feel. I know that's, that's a bit of an unsatisfactory answer to a direct question, um, but 
I also don't want to BS you. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I, I don't get the feeling that they're necessarily unhappy with them. They might just decide it's time for a new voice for that, for that team that, you know, has kind of a, a younger dynamic around it now. But, you know, I think that they've, they've taken some steps forwards this year. I mean, defensively they've, they've got some issues, uh, but you know, it's also a rebuild. So what, what, how much do you want to pin that on the coach? It wasn't his, his decision to do all that. No BSing here on the CJ show. We take things very seriously. Clearly, as you can see visually, we take things very seriously on the Chris Johnston show, which has come to an end for this Monday edition. CJ, always a pleasure to see you, buddy. Always a pleasure to see you doing all right. You too. Sorry to make you work on your birthday, but you do it for the fans. We appreciate it. Work on my birthday. One, this is not work. Two, I have the day off. I'm going to go play MLB The Show after this. I'm going to enjoy my day off. I might still go to the Canadians game after, but uh, oh, yeah. Today is not a work day for me, and and doing this is not work. I get to talk to a friend of mine about hockey and pick his brain about what he knows about uh, different storylines. This is never work for me. Never. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you feel that way, bud, and uh, hope you. It's a great day. Hope everyone spoils you. That should spoil you. And uh, yeah, have a good yeah. one. I will absolutely have a good one. In fact, after this, I have to call my grandmother because she's been trying to call me. Uh, as we've been recording the show, uh, <laughs> shout out to everybody uh, who uh, watches our great show. Uh, keep it locked to us as uh, we get to the NHL playoffs. And uh, man, when we get to the NHL playoffs, we are basically going to be an unstoppable train because we are going to go ham. We could be a wagon, if you will. Anyway, uh, I don't think that's a curse by saying we're a wagon. I think we even called ourselves juggernauts at one point. We're doing all right for ourselves. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the SDPN YouTube page where you can get podcasts from us, Agent Provocateur. You can go back to episodes of Noxie and Cax. I understand they just finished their first season. Felicitation, congratulations to the ladies on their podcast season. They did very well with the episodes they had and the guests that they had. And there's some other show that drops on Mondays as well. I'm sure you all know what it is. You can go find the episodes wherever you listen to podcast episodes. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. For CJ, I'm Julian Singh. So long and happy birthday to me. Go Cougars! The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie.